Good morning. Good morning. Welcome to the NFL Week 14. I mean, Week 14. It's so crazy that this has just flown by. NFL Review Show presented by No House Advantage, America Lindquist. Excited to be talking a little NFL action with my buddy over there who just keeps winning NFL stuff or getting second in NFL stuff. You know what? That's not so bad either. I bet a lot of people out there in the chat would enjoy to have such things happen, but uh, he's pulling double duty per usual here today, just back to back, ready to go. He's Adam Share at Shit My Money DFS. How you doing, my guy? Doing pretty well. Uh, another good NFL Sunday. Had a fun weekend with the, the UFC card, so uh, doing pretty well. How are you doing? One of the wilder UFC cards that I can ever remember. I mean, it was madness. Yeah, yeah, it was crazy. I was uh, on walls with Brick and and Pete, and we were just watching and you know hanging out. And it was like the the Nunes fight. It was like none of us were even paying attention anymore at that point. We're just like, yeah, whatever. Nunes <laughs> is fighting. Like we know how this is gonna go. You look up partway through the first round, and she's you know choking out Pena, and it's like, yeah, this is this is you know what's gonna happen. And then we like all at the same time kind of just like noticed in the second round that it had like turned into an actual fight. Not just turned into an actual fight. It was over. It was done. Right. Thanks for coming. Have a nice day. Drive home safely, Nunez. Uh, it was nice that it wasn't like a rousy situation with like some kind of a, a crazy injury in camp. And it was somebody who got beat. I, I think that that was fascinating, but uh, definitely a fun UFC card. Wild NFL slate once again. But uh, again, I'm just going to start with this because Adam just keeps putting up fantastic finishes. We're going to the 300K early only rush, 100K to first. Well, I'm sorry, Adam. You only had to get second this time. No first that we get to celebrate from the afternoon slate from last week. It was last week you got first in the afternoon, right? Early, yeah. Early. Oh, well, yeah, you just keep winning early slates. Yeah, whatever. I almost went back to back. All right, so we're going to take a look here quick at his second place lineup. $24,000 of profit here in this tournament for him. I'd say that's a pretty darn good showing. Uh, Do you have that lineup that you can pull up there, Tyler? Uh, Tyler Zander doing all of the great production there behind the scenes. We are going to be talking a ton of NBA or NFL DFS here. Excited for it, but uh, taking a view of this lineup, Taysom Hill, Josh Jacobs, Ty Johnson, Ty Johnson. How about that? 9.7, really nothing out of those first two running backs, but then it gets fun because Brandon Cooks, Hunter Renfro, Tyler Lockett, Austin Hooper, Alvin Kamara, and Titans. I had said that I thought Alvin Kamara made a nice stack with Taysom Hill. Well, I didn't expect them to not throw the ball to him whatsoever and for them both to get there and rushing, but hey, Welcome to the NFL. Uh, talk to me a little bit about your uh, your giant lineup here. Yeah, I mean, I had no idea really what to do with the Hill Camara situation. Josh and I had talked about it on the strategy show, and Josh asked me if I thought like what direction I thought the correlation between those guys went, and I was just like, I don't, I don't really know because you know Hill could throw touchdowns to Camara for sure. But at the same time, if Hill has like a massive game where he runs for three touchdowns, that's horrible for Kamara. But then again, if the Saints are moving the ball consistently, that's just always good for everybody. So I ended up just being willing to play them together. Um, I ended up getting more Hill than I expected to. I think it just kind of he his ownership, like obviously he was popular, but I didn't really think he was that. I didn't really think he was overowned compared to some other quarterbacks Um, on this on the early slate I had an absolute ton. Um, he was my highest owned on the, the main slate too, but I think I had like 50% on the early slate. And so, yeah, just, you know, paired him with Kamara. Um, I, I had also paired him with, you know, some Callaway with some Traquan Smith, but uh, Kamara just, you know, I thought was a very reasonable pairing. Ty Johnson obviously wasn't the best run back option, but he was only 4,400. You had no Jeff Wilson on this slate. So mm-hmm. he kind of was useful in that price range. Let me get up to some other guys that I wanted to pay for. I'm going to save a couple of things here till we get over to the main slate. But the one thing I do want to talk about right from the get-go, we have another spot where early slate, Antonio Gibson, I believe it was last week too, where you had a guy that was 65% plus that you had in lineups that didn't end up in your winning lineups of anything. Who was it last week? Do you remember? Um, I can't remember at the top of the head. It wasn't Uh, Sonny Michelle because Sonny Michelle smashed. Jamal Jamal Williams, thank you. So back-to-back weeks here where – you had 21 or you were drawing to 31% of lineups, but was there something that you had as far as a consideration for a cap on Gibson, or did you just let it run out and you got as much Gibson as you possibly could for certain things? Same thing with Williams last week. Yeah, I just got as much as I could. He was, um, I think my highest on guy on this slate at like 69%. He was my highest on guy on the main slate. And I think like 85% or something. Um, so it was just a situation where, you know, fortunately I had a good non Gibson lineup uh, break free, but um, yeah, he was, I, I thought, pretty easily one of the best plays on the slate, so I wasn't really worried about getting to him. 
Yep. Neither was I. It was a fantastic play. Don't fumble the football, I guess, is probably the moral of the stories. I mean, even the, even before that, like they just weren't they're not throwing them the ball. They're just letting Heineke chuck it downfield into like double and triple coverage instead of yeah. getting it to Gibson in space. Uh, I think he had like 10 touches before that. It was just it was a horrible game plan. And then they benched him after the fumble. Like it was just it was stupid. Yeah. And Carter dropped that long bomb as well. I mean, there were just a lot of situations where things could have changed a lot for Washington there in that spot. And, and Gibson, I just don't know how you could possibly coming off of last week, not give him the workload here, but whatever such is life. I don't think it really matters too much when you pull down 24 K here in the tournament. Congratulations. Uh, everybody hit that like button here as we're going to jump over to the Millie maker, hit the subscribe button, hit the notification bell. Wanted to start off with this because it's always nice to celebrate W's and you know, even silver medals uh, are pretty good in DFS. There's really no question about it. Uh, I'm excited to talk some Millie. You're ready to kind of dive into it. Yep. All righty. So we always start by covering some of the uh, more popular plays here on the slate and kind of uh, talking about our evaluation of them. Then we'll go through exposures. We've got Osmo. We've got DeColtz, Steve Buzzard, that is NK Orfield. That's our friend, Neil. Uh, I'll be on NFL live before lock with him tonight. We're looking at you, Adam, ship my money, and then Rinpak, Ryan. We got the Osmo crew. We're going to be breaking down everybody's 150 here from the Millie Maker. But right from the get-go, Mike Williams, your most popular player alongside Antonio Gibson. Wanted to talk about Gibson right from the get-go here. Alvin Kamara as well. I think you did a nice job of touching on that. So let's just jump to Mike Williams here. What did you kind of have uh, in mind for Mike Williams in this spot? Justin Herbert, I truly do believe, might be the best quarterback in the NFL. He's an absolute freak. But, I mean, you didn't have Keenan Allen. You had a, a, a different wide receiver core around him and Palmer and Guyton, and both of them definitely got there as well. But what did you kind of assess for Mike Williams in this spot? Yeah, there was just, you know, increased opportunities. Obviously, I think he's a talented receiver. He's playing with a, uh, a really good quarterback. and. Also, I was I had like 23% of Justin Herbert, so that drove up Williams quite a bit as well. Um, just kind of noticing now, um, I didn't really get to a lot of Palmer or Guyton. Um, I was around the field on Palmer, but I was way over the field on Williams. I was way over the field on Jared Cook. Uh, so I, I think it was just the, the combination of Williams being one of the best projected wide receiver plays, but obviously getting a lot of ownership. But then by pairing it with Herbert, who wasn't projected for much ownership, uh, it allowed me to build contrarian teams while still getting the Mike Williams. All right. And going down, Antonio Gibson, Alvin Kamara, the running back position was a lot different than what we ran into last week. Um, you had some guys up top there and him and Eckler, and huh, you you either took the red pill or the blue pill. And, you know, I, I hope everybody took the red pill, I, I suppose, would be the right way of looking at it. Kamara smash and, and Eckler gets hurt, so that's not enjoyable. Sounds like he's going to be all right here for next week. But uh, what did you kind of look at for Eckler and, and Alvin Kamara? Did you have any differentiation between the two, considering you were so high on Taysom Hill? Um, no, I thought they were pretty similar. I actually... How did, did you say how? Oh, there it is. Uh, yeah. So I had 21% actor. So I was around the field there. Mm -hmm. uh, I was fine, obviously pairing him with Herbert. Um, Camara, I ended up not playing much of, and I think okay. I, I don't really know what the reasoning was there other than I did think he was going a little bit over owned on the main slate. Um, I thought he was a really, really good play, but there were so many good, uh, running back options that you could get to. Um, I had a few others that I was really over the field on. That was one thing that actually, um, stood out to me was I actually, thought that Hill was going a little bit under-owned relative to his mm -hmm. chances of success. And I thought Kamara was going a little bit over-owned. So it just kind of led to me getting more Hill and, and less Kamara. So Taysom Hill, talk to me a little bit about this, considering I, there were a lot of people here in chat and I saw on Twitter that were talking about what a luck box Taysom Hill is. And oh my God, he only got there in the fourth quarter and rushing. And it's like, well, that's kind of what he does, right? He kind of just breaks off big plays running and, uh, I mean, did we expect like 30, 40 yarders? Probably not. But there were a number of times where he just makes things happen in a different way than any other quarterback in the league. Yeah, like he got there in like a fluky way as far as the timing goes. And, you know, certainly like a 48 yard rushing touchdown with five minutes left or something. But at the yeah. same time, the time in the game doesn't matter. Like Taysom Hill running for touchdowns is kind of what you expect. So that that's why he was a good play. Like the only argument that there were, I thought there were two arguments against Hill. Um, one was that he was popular two was who do you pair him with? 
because like, obviously you could just play him naked, but that still puts you in the situation where you just have to get one more thing right in your lineup. And that's obviously hard to do. So it's kind of like, you know, who do you pair him with? You know, Camara makes some sense, but that obviously could go really poorly as well. Uh, the receivers suck. He has a messed up hand. So that was, I thought a really, really big consideration as well. You know, just kind of like, I don't really want these other guys outside of Camara. Um, but from just Hill himself, I thought the pushback was really based in bias about what he is as an NFL quarterback versus what he is as a DFS quarterback, because I am probably the biggest hater in the world on Taysom Hill as an <laughs> actual NFL quarterback. Yeah. But if you're looking at $5,600 Taysom Hill as a starting quarterback and thinking that's a bad play or anything outside of, you know, those other considerations, I think you're crazy because uh, the guy has tons of rushing touchdown equity. He has a floor from rushing yards. He potentially could accidentally complete a pass and, you know, they go for a touchdown or something. So um, just, you know, excluding the, who do you pair him with and his ownership? He was, I thought, pretty clearly the top quarterback on the slate. It was just a matter of making everything work around him. Uh, all right. I'm sorry, I was getting caught up in chat, seeing if there was anything pertinent other than, of course, I'm beating Loco going into the evening festivities here. He's got Stafford Cup against Van Jefferson, and he's got to make up 50 points. We'll see how this goes, Loco. Uh, fun times in the Osimo League. Uh, best of luck to you tonight, my friend, but not too much luck because God forbid you actually do come from behind and win this thing and Cup puts up 50, which is totally within the range of outcomes for that psychopath. But um, I, I want to be careful about the way I bring this up because I'm looking at the, the roster ship of this. 34%. Javante Williams for the boss, man. Nobody else over 6%. I, I don't know if there was a player since Foster Moreau last week, probably would be the right way of saying it, that I was so vehemently against than Javante Williams at 20 plus percent roster ship. And my God, he was the fourth highest owned, fourth highest rostered player on the entire Millie Maker in a timeshare, Melvin Gordon active. Talk to me about this situation because being lower on him was, I, I thought a, a sharp kind of way to go about living your life. And of course, Javante ends up putting up 21.3 and, and has a score that ends up in a lot of winning lineups. Yeah. I mean, he had a solid game, but this kind of, this is also part of why I ended up with so much Antonio Gibson, mm -hmm. you know, why like Gibson was really, really popular, but you had Gibson at six K with no uh, McKissick mm -hmm. theoretically being involved in the offense. You know, obviously that was not the case, but um, <laughs> you, you would assume that, you know, the, Rational coaching is just a terrible thing to assume. And I'm right. trying my best to just throw it out the window, but whatever, right. continue. But th this is a situation where um, it, it comes back to, we talk about not only looking at just raw ownership, but also chances of success and, you know, every range of outcomes versus ownership. And when you had uh, Williams pulling, you know, mid twenties in ownership, you had Gibson, I think was projected around 30%. To me, it was just like, I would rather get less Williams, get more Gibson. Obviously, it was a great spot for Williams. He's really good. But it's also a situation where we see this all the time. Like every NFL season, it happens all season long. Someone's really good. The coaching staff is like, yeah, but we're going to split time. And DFS is like, yeah, but he's really good. The coaching staff's like, yeah, but we're going to split time. And then the guy has like a good game. And the DFS community is like, finally, he's he's there. And the coaching staff's like, yeah, no, we're still going to split time. And so like, obviously, he did well. And there was no... I didn't have any sort of knock on Williams as far as his talent or the matchup or anything, but it was just like, okay, if equal give or take equal amounts of people are going to play the guy splitting carries with Melvin Gordon or the guy not splitting carries or getting carries, um, but not splitting <laughs> carries with, with anyone, I'm going to take that one. If you know, the ownership's about the same. Yeah. It, it just, it blew my mind that people just kind of wrote off Melvin Gordon and, I'm looking up the Melvin Gordon contract right now, too, because it's just for me yesterday as I was going through it, it just looked eerily similar to Ezekiel Elliott and Tony Pollard, where we have been talking for years about how good Tony Pollard is and how incredible of a football player he is. And it's been a 60-40 workload still this entire season. Like, that hasn't changed anything. And Melvin Gordon, they have invested capital in just from trading with the Chargers, bringing him in, having it be a, a player that they – they're just invested in, in him long-term still. Well, not long-term, maybe it's like next year or whatever, but um, I'm just trying to find this contract. I don't know why I can't find it. Uh, Cause he got his, he exercised his fifth year option. They placed him on IR. That was uh, whatever. Um, I know it was just like the trade that, that occurred to be able to bring him in. And it just would make no sense that you would just throw that completely out the window unless Melvin Gordon was dust. And 
from everything I've seen this year, he's not dust, right? Yeah, and I mean, like, he was questionable to play, but it was known pretty far in advance that he was likely to play and then going to play. So, uh, yeah, no, that that was one that just didn't make a ton of sense to me. Um, not, again, not anything even really to do with Williams. It was just, like, obviously, I just, you know, compared him to, to Gibson and why I like Gibson more. But you also had Saquon Barkley in that price range. You had, um, I don't remember other names off the top of my head, but you had plenty of guys that you could go to uh, at the running back position that were at least comparable to to, to, to Williams at probably lower ownership. Yeah. There are many running backs in the league getting paid two years, 16 million. That's, that's kind of what I'm getting at is that you've got $8 million wrapped up in Melvin Gordon. If you're the Denver Broncos here, thank you so much to Tyler Zander for, for shedding that over here. A uh, massive cap hit for him. You know, he's 29 years old. It's not like he, or he's 28 years old. He's not some elder uh, out there right now. Some dusty running back, like, you know, uh, Frank Gore or something. He's still useful. And, for people to just kind of assume that it was going to be 100% Javante Williams, I mean, yeah, you would want that if you're going to be rostering Javante. But as the week went on, I thought that was like a clear cut. I thought that was going to be where everybody's edge lied. And of course, he gets in the box twice with a receiving touchdown. And I was just beside myself. And, you know, that's kind of DFS is sometimes. And also maybe boss man just has inside info. And he's like, well, I know he's going to get involved in the passing game in this kind of certain situation. And. Uh, either way, I, I don't know. It was just not a play that I was going to ever be there on. It looks like everybody boss man ends up getting 34% there and uh, a nice hit by him there. So I, I, I don't know. I, it, NFL can be highly variant, but I thought that that was a pretty clear cut stay away, but Austin Eckler there, of course, uh, that's a, a bummer there. 16.4 didn't completely thrash you, but considering he was the most expensive running back, probably not ideal here. Let's get to a couple of these guys that really stuck out from the Charger side as well. Uh, Guyton, somebody that ended up being very popular, 15.6%. Uh, I didn't see that kind of coming down the pipeline. Uh, it looks like everybody was short on him. Alex didn't have a single share of Guyton. And then you had Palmer on the other side too. I know he had a, a passing touch, uh, touchdown as well. Um, these ancillary options here for the Chargers. Uh, I know that Justin Herbert was your second most rostered quarterback. Your quarterback exposures were flatter than I, I think um, most top players were yesterday. Is that something that you kind of uh, noticed as well? Um, a little bit. I typically end up a little bit more spread out, but um, mm -hmm. there weren't really that many quarterbacks that I was interested in, especially when you started uh, considering you know, the, the rest of the lineup and everything. So mm -hmm. I, I kind of thought going into the slate, I knew like, Taysom Hill was obviously the spot where it was like, I'm not really sure if I'm going to end up with a lot or barely any. Um, if I obviously didn't have a lot then I wanted, or I knew I was going to get to more Herbert, Allen, Mahomes, Dak. Uh, but once, you know, I'm getting 33% Hill, then it kind of spreads. It, it limits what I can do elsewhere. Herbert, I thought was a really good option just because he was low owned. Um, and he still, I always like getting the relatively low owned quarterbacks that pair with popular you know, the, the best projected players. Uh, so he really, really stood out. But yeah, normally I end up um, a little bit more spread out at quarterback. Yeah, and uh, you, normally you are. And and that's kind of something I'm pointing out. Did you see Ryan's quarterback exposure? 100% Taysom Hill, yeah. <laughs> yeah, I love this kid. I tell you what, sometimes there are just things that Ryan does and I just love him so much for it. Because how many people are going to be max entering a million just firing off 150 Taysom Hill just because they can had to be feeling amazing when he had like four points at halftime. <laughs> I was going to say, uh, yeah, well, the worst thing. So he was in the FanDuel live final, Lamar Jackson at quarterback. Oh, that sounds, yeah. Yeah. It was, it was a brutal day over there in Arizona. He's going to bounce back. I think we can all agree. Ryan will be just fine uh, when it comes to DFS, but yeah, that was a, a brutal beat for him there uh, to have, have Lamar Jackson go down there, but hundred percent Taysom Hill, you know, it, it definitely, uh, bounce back there and um, let's let's just go to the quarterback who did smash there at the top of the fantasy point column then we'll do some ad reads we'll move on with our day but Josh Allen 42.22 absolute madness that we were looking at from him a complete second half talk about a second half performance um, he was my favorite quarterback just from a tournament perspective I talked about him on live before lock where you know, Mahomes was was jumping up at the top of the top stacks tool, but, you know, Kelsey and, and Hill, I just didn't know how much leverage there was. Whereas Allen, I thought Gabriel Davis was playing quite a bit. Cole Beasley ends up, I, I believe, in the winning lineup. We'll, we'll go to the Millie Maker winning lineup here in a second. But, I mean, Josh Allen, 100 yards on the ground with 300 yards through the air. Pretty good combination on DraftKings, correct? 
uh, yeah, it's not bad to get bonus <laughs> points for passing and for rushing. Yeah, bonus points for being good already. There you go. Enjoy it. But Josh Allen was pretty ridiculous. Ends up in the Millie Maker winner, winning lineup here. Um, I'm, I'm going to pull that up here if we can. But go ahead and uh, just talk to me about Josh Allen in that spot in the game environment that, you know, I, I thought was going to be chalkier than it probably ended up considering Josh Allen sub 10%, Tom Brady sub 7%. Yeah, um, I was kind of surprised that game wasn't more popular as well. It did stand out as, like, if you weren't going to Taysom Hill, it stood out as one of the obvious alternatives. Uh, you had just what was likely to be, you know, a shootout. Tampa Bay, obviously a great offense all around. Buffalo has very, very talented pieces. Um, if you're someone that happens to care about, you know, what defenses are good at, uh, Tampa Bay is good at stopping the run, <laughs> not as good at stopping the pass. Buffalo has really no interest in running the ball anyway. So um, it, it just set up as a spot where you – could very easily see a back and forth type game. And then, you know, the fact that it went to overtime, just icing on the cake. Yeah, it was a, it was a madness spot, but uh, looking at the Millie maker winner here, I'm trying to get it to pop up here as well. Um, my computer is being slow today. I know that that's a fun conversation point and everybody gives a shit, but here we <laughs> go. Um, I'm looking at two lineups, one cash here. Uh, I'm going to wait here. Tyler, Tyler will pull it up on the screen. He's a stud money. Pull it up. Yeah. He's got it for me here. Cause I can't get it to, to fire up for me on my end right now. Um, but looking at the Millie maker winner again, last week, it was three lineups, two caches, a million dollars. This week it's two lineups, one cash, a million dollars guys play like a lineup or two in this thing. Like who gives a shit? Just like fire it up because it's legitimately one of those things where he stacked up. He made a really good lineup, put it together with some bills and all of a sudden wham, he's, he's winning a million dollars here. Yeah, um, speaking oh, from experience, it's not a lot of fun to have a lineup that would win the Millie and have not entered it. It's a horrible feeling. Oh, do tell everybody that story because that's a good one. Oh, I did that like week four of this year. I got second in the slant with a lineup that would have won the Millie and I didn't play the Millie because I was just like, this tournament's stupid. I'm never going to win it. Like, why would I put $3,000 into it? But uh, yeah, and now you're doing that. it every week because yes. yeah, now, now I do it every week. <laughs> there it is. It was very early. I, I was waiting for the sound effect here. Yep. Yep. There it is. Uh, can you pull up that lineup here, Tyler? Can you pull up the, the Millie maker winning lineup? Cause I just want to be able to go over that quick. Yep. Fire it up. I, I don't see it. It's not on my end. Oh, is it? Yes, it is. There it is. Cool. Josh Allen, Rashad Penny. Can you talk about Rashad Penny? Because there was coach speak surrounding Rashad Penny and he ends up in the min Millie making winning lineup. He was in a lot of Millie win or uh, winning lineups throughout the industry yesterday. Ryan played him on FanDuel. So he obviously believed Pete Carroll. I don't ever believe Pete Carroll. That's the problem. Right. So he, this is why I think Penny was interesting because somebody actually specifically asked on the strategy show with Josh and I yesterday, um, if we were, you know, basically if we were buying into, Pete Carroll. And I said, no, absolutely not. Because one, I just try and tune out coach speak as much as I can, because it almost never happens. Um, or at least actually that's, that's probably not fair, but like mm -hmm. when it is going to happen and when it's not is just kind of, I don't know. It's like, it's like BVP for me. Like, yeah, it exists. <laughs> I have no idea when it's predictive. Uh, so and, it's and predictive when it's freaking you know, Mike Trout because right. he's already good. Right. Yeah. And then um, specifically Pete Carroll, absolutely never trusting a word that comes out of that guy. Never. Um, so all of that, I, I think that if you were someone, my biggest takeaway here is that this is a reminder of um, thinking about range of outcomes and uh, embracing volatility, uncertainty, um, realizing that even though the field as a whole is very, very confident in things, they're wrong constantly. Um, you shouldn't have, I, I don't think you should have, I don't think you should have been just like jamming in Rashad Penny yesterday because Pete Carroll said he was going to play more. You know, like who the mm -hmm. hell knows what that means or if it's going to happen. But on a slate where you had pretty questionable value running backs, like you had Jeff Wilson, you had Ty Johnson, it was certainly reasonable to say, okay, Rashad Penny's one to two percent owned. There's some chance he's getting more work here. Um, regardless, you know, if P. Carroll said it or not, there's some chance he's getting more work. The fact Carroll said it certainly doesn't hurt. Um, you know, so you you still don't have to have it happen that often for it to pay off really well. So in that sense, I think he was a good play. I think if you were someone looking at it and saying like, oh, Rashad Penny should be projected you know, six points higher because Pete mm -hmm. Carroll said this, I think you're probably just going to be in for a really rough time in a lot of situations going forward where coaches just flat out lie to you. But um, just from a range of outcomes, volatility, like uncertainty standpoint versus ownership, I thought that was really appealing and a spot that maybe I should have actually, um, you know, paid a little bit more attention to, yeah. to getting him into at least a little bit of, of lineups. I'm not going to lie. I saw the quote. 
And I just disregarded it. Yeah. Like I completely disregarded it because how many times have we heard Pete Carroll say he was going to get, you know, the uh, Russell Wilson, like open it up for the offense more. And then all of a sudden you're just watching Alex Collins run into the line 20 times. Right. And here's the other thing. Another reason why, like, I'm not really upset, even that I didn't like do anything there. I wasn't having any difficulty finding running backs that were relatively low owned that I liked. Um, You know, like there wasn't a ton of great value running backs, but I was also playing a lot of Taysom Hill. I also had, you know, cheap guys at other positions that I was fine going to. So, you know, like in my case, I played, I took a really big stand on Zeke, obviously didn't work, but like, that's a spot where I was already allocating a lot of exposure to a running back. I was going to play a ton of Gibson regardless. Um, I was, I played, I think a decent amount of Barkley. I played like, I played a good amount of Fournette. Like I was not having an issue filling the running back spot. So on a really deep running back slate, I'm also going to be, I'm going to be less likely to start rolling the dice on guys like that. All right. Well, this is the Millie Maker winning lineup. Robbie Anderson, a part of it. Congratulations, Robbie Anderson. Welcome to the family once again. Uh, The family of the trusted. You're not trusted whatsoever. It's a joke. But uh, Robbie Anderson, 1.6%. Why not him? Why not him? 4,300. Definitely a phenomenal lineup here. I want to talk about Hunter Renfro here in a second. But first, Awesome Plus Tools and Content, $29.95 right now. For the weekly pass. Do you want player projections? You probably do. Do you want ownership projections? You better. Premium Discord, lineup builder, so many things that we have behind the paywall. And also right now, if you use promo code NFL lineup review, that's all caps, one word, NFL lineup review, you'll get 25% off your first week of Osmo Plus Platinum. Simple as that. You activate the coupon in the description of this video below and you utilize it. That's fun. $3.95 is where our NFL weekly packages are starting. But to get everything for the weekly pass, $29.95, get that 25% off. It's just extra money. We can all use a little extra money around the holiday times. You know, we're, we're not all so lucky to enter two lineups in a Millie Maker and, you know, have one just hit the absolute nuts. So I'm looking forward to uh, having a lot of you guys use this promo code. Uh, we have promos going for a lot of these different shows, but uh, NFL lineup review makes it super simple. Get in if you've been thinking about it, because I promise you, if you're playing NBA, MMA, NFL, Showdown specifically, so much great content, so many great tools developed by Alex Baker and the team. Stop guessing, start winning, and join us today. All righty, let's jump on over to a little bit more wide receiver discussion here. I'm looking at the top of the board of the ownership, and uh, let's just jump into Hunter Renfro, because I think... This kind of segues into the defense conversation that I really, really wanted to have. And I didn't know I was going to 150 likes for a tweet for me is something. And I'm like, ho, 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 I'm popular. And then I'm like, Adam gets 150 for being like, I don't give a shit about this, blah, blah, blah. So it's like, whatever. <laughs> I don't, uh, that's kind of the way that I imagine you tweeting. <laughs> so I'm, I'm figuring out really where the line is. They get annihilated, absolutely annihilated. Kansas City defense goes off in a ridiculous way, but. You pretty much needed to have Hunter Renfro in lineups, no matter what. In the absence of Darren Waller, he is going through the roof. He is, he's, he's not Cooper Cup. He's Cooper Cup light, I would say, in some kind of regard. But Hunter Renfro in the mid-6Ks continues to smash, and people continue to undervalue him. How did you feel about Hunter, Hunter Renfro going into yesterday? Oh, great. Uh, it, was a, it was a game where there was obviously a chance that that game was going to you know, go differently than it did mm-hmm. and, and shoot out. But there was also a chance that the Raiders were going to be playing from behind. And, and you know, at worst, you were just going to get uh, Renfro kind of just catching passes up and down the field. Uh, full PPR sites in particular. So, you know, DraftKings in particular, I thought he was excellent. You know, FanDuel, Yahoo, it becomes a little bit uh, tougher because you, you still kind of need him to get in the end zone. But DraftKings, I mean, you can get 10 catches for 100 yards and just be there. So, uh, yeah, I thought he was pretty easily one of the best plays on the slate yesterday. Yeah, he was phenomenal. Ends up putting up 32.7. Uh, that goes up there with the likes of George Kittle. Holy mother of God, this guy right out of the gate comes off of IR. I, I think with Debo Samuel back, I had a lot of Kittle and I switched it up because I thought Debo, you know, that's some extra carries, some extra volume perhaps, but doesn't matter. 10 catches over 150 just completely smashes a second straight slate. I bet he's really popular next week. Don't you think? Uh, yeah, most likely. Okay. Well, George Kittle, I don't really know what else to say. Is there any kind of a tight end discussion to be had here? I mean, is there, is there something that you thought about at that position? I know you've always been somebody where you just get away from some bad chalk and, you know, I wish I had gotten on some, uh, George Kittle wasn't even popular. Everybody played Kelsey yesterday. It was kind of, kind of crazy to look at, but who was your highest owned tight end? 
Yeah, I was actually looking now because I wasn't sure, but uh, it was Jared Cook. I twenty eight percent. Okay, uh, going with those Herbert and and Williams stacks. Um, that so that was something else I, I kind of noticed that I hadn't even really realized it at the time. But um, like I didn't have much Guyton, I didn't have a lot of Palmer. Um, those guys were getting ownership, but like tight end obviously is just always weaker than receiver. So I think that's where I, I pushed cook got pushed up for me. Williams got pushed up because he was such a good mid range play uh, paired with Herbert. But yeah, cook ended up being my number one own tight end followed by Gronk Everett got to some O'Shaughnessy Cooper. I had 5% Kittle. So it was kind of in line with the field. Look how light everybody was on Kelsey too, amongst everybody there. 13.4%. He had the most of the position there along with Austin Hooper, Austin Hooper, just, smashed for his salary and you know you got 14 out of him it was basically get to kittle in tournaments or you played austin hooper and you built around that and i think those were two pretty clear paths mark andrews went completely nuts at low ownership he was in the millie maker winner but a little bit harder to land on in that regard unless you were a pack where it was his second highest owned <laughs> tight end that he had on the board i mean tell you what ryan plays to the beat of his own drum and it's a beautiful thing uh especially in nfl yeah for sure yeah he he kind of crushed it with tight ends. I mean, Kelsey obviously sucked. Uh, so that hurt him, but Kittle was his third highest or fourth highest. Hooper was third. Andrews was second. Yeah. He had one lineup in the top 200. It looks like, and kind of got himself in a position to make some kind of a run there. But uh, yeah, that, that Josh Allen beating out Taysom Hill by 16, that'll, that'll make it a little bit more difficult, but uh, I love how he's taking stands in some of these tournaments. There's other times where you might be able to sit there and, you know, you can play uh, literally Monday armchair quarterback over here where we're going through some of them and, and you can kind of analyze it. But I I think Ryan, for the most part uh, in NBA does the same thing. He is never afraid to take a stand. And um, you know, we, we talk about this a lot in other sports. I mean, 84.7% Gibson and a Millie maker, I think that's kind of making a stand as well from your perspective. I, you do a great job too of picking your spots of kind of being, I, I thought being over on Mike Williams was the right play yesterday. Um, I'm probably in your boat where it's 51.3%. Josh Jacobs as well. It, it was hard to not see a passing game role for him in this spot. Let's talk Ezekiel Elliott. I don't want to, because I also was in love with that play. I, I never play Ezekiel Elliott legitimately never but there was no Pollard and I didn't know what to do other than play 50% of him, 30% of him. Yeah. And the big thing was he wasn't popular. He got 8% ownership in the Millie. Ridiculous. Um, we actually had him projected for 14, but uh, either way, it just, it was a situation where I, I'm not, I try not to get bogged down in like what I think is going to happen. I think it's a huge waste of time. It's more so like, what are the opportunities? What, what could happen? And then how does that relate to ownership? Um, mm-hmm. That's like, you know, I was, talking with someone in chat who said that he wasn't going to play Zeke because Washington is good at depending they're on, they're bad depending the pass. I don't really care. Like he, he projected well, that's all baked in. Um, and he wasn't getting much ownership. And then it's a situation where, yeah, he's banged up, but we don't really know how banged up he is. Like they had said he wasn't going to play. Then he did. He got like 13 or 14 carries last week. Now Pollard's out. So at worst, I think you kind of expect that he's going to be in the same role he's had, which Mm -hmm. still gives him a path to success at 7,300, even if it's not super likely, but at best he just gets more work and that didn't really happen. But um, I mean, that, that for sure is a situation, especially knowing that he was only 7% owned in the Millie, like at 14% where, where we had him projected, I think you could at least like debate maybe not needing to go as heavy as I did, but Knowing he was 8%, like I would love to be at 35% where I was at every single time. Good. I like hearing that because that makes me feel better about the fact that I got wrecked yesterday, uh, you know, lost over half my entry fees, but I still liked my pool. I'm going to live with it. Who cares? You got to be able to will- be willing to take stands like that. I think my process was simply looking, oh, who's next on the depth chart? Oh, Corey Clement. <laughs> awesome. I don't think they want to give Corey Clement many footballs. Uh, no, they just do. Throwing- I, and then, then they, they did. They had to. They didn't have a choice. Football's so dumb. I love but it I mean, so it's, much. It's one of those, you kind of just have to step back. And in a lot of these cases, you have to step back and just think about the range of outcomes. Like, mm-hmm. not not the same people, because I, I don't mean this as a knock. I, I don't mean this as a knock on, on anyone individually. Just like right now, there's people saying, you know, like, oh, I wouldn't have played. I didn't play Zeke because X, Y, Z. If he had gone out there, gotten 22 carries, scored three touchdowns, you would have just as many people saying Zeke was obvious, blah, 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 blah. It's like, Mm-hmm. There was a lot of uncertainty here, but the if Pollard were in, there's 
less uncertainty because you know Pollard's going to at least do something to cut into Zeke. With him out, yeah, there's a decent chance that he still doesn't get a huge workload, but there's the, the, the possibility that he does. And there's a lot more money to be made by hoping that, you know, by, by going there and hoping that happens than by not going there and waiting until Monday to say, oh, damn, wish, wish I'd done that. Chad is a beautiful place. Twitter is a very, very beautiful place. Uh, before we move on down the rest of the board here, No House Advantage is the sponsor here of the Week 14 Review Show. If you haven't had a chance to play over there, you can do so right now by using promo code AWESOMO. Pretty simple. It's on the site. You follow us. You can spell Osmo at this point in time. Get $25 for a deposit bonus right now. So deposit 25, get 25. That's how you build and sustain a bankroll by playing on these sites that are giving you incentives to be able to go join and play and check it out today. And I think you'll really like No House Advantage if you like props, if you like playing those alongside a lot of these different uh, you know, mass entries, the way that other people have been playing on these other sites where you're able to make a bunch of lineups. Now they have a CSV function that's really easy and uh, easy to use over at No House Advantage. They've got the $5,000 Monday Night Football 2K to first uh, contest to fire up here, $20 entry fee for that. You can try out the $5 that they have for it too, the $10. You're basically ranking props. So you have a ton of props over on the sidebar. You're going to play the ones you're most confident in up in the seven point spot. And then the ones you're least confident in, but you still want to have in your lineup, you're going to put it one. If you get the seven point one, right, you get seven points, so on and so forth. That's how it's done. You're aiming to get them all right. But you know, in the event that you don't get them all right, have your, have the ones that you're least confident in at the bottom, beat your friends, not the house. Check it out. It's just such a fun site. Super easy to use, super accessible, $25 bonus code right now with promo code Osmo. Doesn't get a whole lot better than that. Um, I'm, I'm go to the app store. So they've got it as well there, or you can go to desktop as well. There's a lot of sites where they don't have both. So nohouseadvantage.com. Simple as that. Uh, check it out. I promise you won't be disappointed. All right, let's get ourselves to the rest of this wide receiver board here. Tyler Lockett. I thought this was like a, a pretty clear cut. Tyler Lockett, Russell Wilson. I'm just going to keep investing in Russell Russell Wilson from now until eternity, especially if they keep winning because they're continually going to be aiming for that seven spot. Uh, they went out and got a difference maker in Adrian Peterson. So they're in win now mode is way, the way to look at it. But Tyler Lockett, the rapport he has right now, um, with Russell Wilson and Russell Wilson, that touchdown gets called back on Metcalf could have been a different slate for a lot of people if there isn't holding there on that play. But what did you think about Lockett? Cause it's a guy that you were nearly 20% on as well. Yeah. I actually didn't really realize I'd gotten that much until the slate started. Great but... analysis. Let's move on. <laughs> no, I mean, it was a spot where, um, I thought he was a very good play. Uh, it was a situation where it seemed like people just weren't really on the Seattle offense, maybe because they expected them to blow out Houston, but um, it's a point that we come back to in NBA a lot uh, to blow a team out. You typically have to score points. And so, you know, still made sense to get to the Seahawks. Play Giannis. Uh, you know, yeah. Right. Yeah. Like jo Josh had been on the whole Wilson stack and I didn't get to uh, much Wilson, but the, the idea was, I mean, they could theoretically score 35 points in the first half and it doesn't matter that they don't throw a single pass in the second half. You're still fine. Um, but individually, you know, guys like Lockett and Metcalf certainly gave you um, a high ceiling. It was a good spot. The, Texans ended up hanging in the game, which made it even more appealing. Uh, so yeah, I, I had, I was double the field on Lockett here um, it, it, on the main slate. I was double on the early slate where I think I had like 30% and 15% on. Uh, so yeah, it was just a spot where it seemed like there was a lot of upside for someone that wasn't getting much ownership because people were afraid his team might score too many points or something. Eric Tranny said in the chat, rather roster backs were still explosive. Zeke needs two plus touchdowns to reach his ceiling, which is probably 25 at this point in his career. Um, most running backs need two plus touchdowns to reach their ceiling. That's what I was going to say. Like, <laughs> like we're, we're basically aiming at the same thing where you need to have a touchdown, probably two in a lot of events to take down tournaments and spots, or you just, mindlessly play Leonard Fournette every week. That might be the other option that I'm still not learning. Yeah. I don't, the, 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 the whole point here, I think, is that overanalyzing shit in the NFL is over the long run probably costing you money. Like, yes, it doesn't matter what you... It doesn't really matter what you think the game plan is going to be. Um, projections are in part based on the expected, you know, run-pass split. Uh, 
it, it factors in the opponent. Like you're just double counting things and coming up with reasons to play or not play someone. And there's just more money to be made by not doing that. I think. I love that point. If you take anything from today, that that's probably the gem of it. Everybody comes in chat and they want to give their takes about things. They want to fire it off, but it's all relative to the way other people like players. Like we, we like players relative to the way that they do. And, you know, do we like certain spots? I like seeing guaranteed workloads. I like seeing little resistance to volume for a running back. I like seeing less uh, skilled players around for a wide receiver, you know, a, a spot where, you know, Brandon, Ayuk, you could maybe, obviously there has to, has to be more targets. If somebody's going to throw the ball, you're going to be on the field a lot. And Debo Samuel's out. There's an opportunity to be had there, but you know, other people are going to recognize that as well. You know, I'm not saying you should go play Juwan Jennings in those spots all the time, but you know, there's, there's definitely something to be said about liking players more relative to the way that other people don't like a player um, is probably and, the right way of saying it. Yeah. And just realize how much volatility there is. Like I agree completely. Like there's, there's a lot of options and I'm not trying to make this just about Zeke. It's just, you know, the easy example right now, like mm-hmm. there's a lot of options on Dallas. There's going to be games where Dallas scores a lot of points and Zeke doesn't do anything for one reason or another. But at the same time, there's plenty of games where Amari Cooper gets tackled at the four three different times and Zeke suddenly has 18 points on 12 rushing yards. You know, so it's he, he's still going to get those opportunities. And that's kind of just it goes back to why I think that it's one reason I don't even look at the uh, FS slates until Sunday morning. But like I don't want to come up with these these takes about exactly how things are going to go. I really want to just be taking a step back and saying, uh, I don't really care. I'll just go to guys that um, are going to get opportunities that other people don't want to go to, because I think that people are way too confident in their ability to predict not only, you know, like which teams are going to do well, but then exactly how those games are going to go. Also Um, I think, you know, in general, it's just better to take a step back. I do agree with the point, you know, Zeke is hurt. Like if you, if you just were confident that he wasn't going to get any sort of increased workload, cool. Like that, that's fine. Um, I still, I don't have any sort of confidence in, in predicting that kind of stuff. So um, I, I'm fine being there, but as far as the, you know, Oh, his team's going to move the ball this way, or they're going to score this way. Uh, I think you're just doing yourself a disservice and probably should not think that way. I love that. I hope clip that we should probably clip that, but we're probably not going to because what's, what's going to happen on social when we clip a quote about game theory. I, I, I don't know. It's not the hot, sexy thing to talk about, but it's the most important part of playing DFS to be able to figure out where it is that you can get different from a field that has kind of figured out what the quote unquote best plays are in most situations. So I'm with you uh, great way of putting that. Appreciate it. All right, let's talk defense because I don't want to, but we're going to talk defense. I tweeted out earlier yesterday uh, after, you know, five minutes into the slate, we had two defensive touchdowns and they had 22 each. The Cowboys and the Chiefs had sub 5% cumulative ownership. Looking at the defense board here, you kind of needed to land somewhere in the ballpark there. I think Tennessee was kind of a little bit further down there at 21, but you had the Cowboys put up 22. You had the Chiefs put up 24. I don't want to necessarily turn this into the conversation I want to have, which is, should we even have defense and DFS, no. but we shouldn't have defense. You're with me. I, I'm with you. I do find it really funny though. Like, um, and, and I'm the same way. Like I hate it when defenses make or break a slate. Uh, like the other day when I had the sweat in the Millie at one point, the top three spots, we all had, our, we all had different defenses going and we're separated by like two points. I was like, this is the dumbest thing ever, but I do think it's funny. Like, um, and again, I do it too, but like, I, I do think people kind of overstate the because because they're always like, oh, like this is stupid. The slate's being swung by a defense and I can't predict defense. Like you also, to be fair, probably suck at predicting quarterbacks, running backs and wide receivers too. I know I do. <laughs> um, like, I'm not saying that. I'm just saying no, one no. I, I generally do a little bit better at than the other. Yeah. But like, like yesterday, for example, like everybody's freaking out because defenses yeah. are scoring touchdowns. Meanwhile, everyone has Antonio Gibson as their highest. <laughs> <laughs> You're already dust, but you right. know what? Yeah. It's not yeah, fun like, to tilt the guy that isn't getting any work because he fumbled and because they're stupid, but right. uh, whatever, you know, it, my thing with defense is that you, it's pretty easy to identify which ones are the most underpriced on a slate. Would you agree with that? The most underpriced in terms of like medium projection, yeah. in terms of medium projection, like Seahawks against yeah, Houston, yep. when you have new Orleans against the jets, like we can all say, here's a bad team. 
here's a good team or for, like decent from a defensive perspective, but that has nothing to do with a pick six. That has l- nothing to do with a scoop and score. You know right. what I mean? Yeah. Yeah. Whereas like I can at least look at a volume and I can find, you know, a workload or a projected workload and look at the medium projection for that and see how popular they're going to be and compare them to other plays for defense. I can't do that because I have no damn idea. Yeah, exactly. So it's just you, the, the, the difference between all the defenses is just flatter, you know, like running backs. If you look at Jonathan Taylor and then you look at Ty Johnson, um, you know, obviously they're different price points, but they're also entirely different just range of outcomes across the board. Every defense, I mean, w- within reason, like obviously, and this is actually something we've talked about before that, um, you know, people typically gravitate towards the defense that is unlikely to give up a lot of points because, you know, they're, they're heavy favorites or whatever, mm-hmm. when there's a lot of upside going against teams that are good, but that will throw the ball a lot. You know, it gives you the opportunity for sacks, gives you the opportunities for interceptions and pick sixes. Whereas if you're just facing some bad offense that is going to score, you know, you're, you're going to win 25 to 10, but they're not even going to throw the ball down the field. Like it can kind of actually, unless you get that part, you know, you get the shutout and, and you get, you know, everything going right. It can actually kind of limit your, your ceiling, but overall, you know, it's kind of just everybody is the same. The only difference is the talent. Whereas at other positions, there's a difference in talent and a difference in workload. I will say, like, if you want to play in reverse a little bit where we can look at the totals, have the Chiefs defense been has the Chiefs defense been exponentially better in the last last three weeks? Yes, they have been. I still don't know that that makes them 20 plus against a a Vegas team that's going to have to throw the ball a lot to keep pace. Um, You know, maybe that gives them more of an opportunity to get there. Uh, Dallas, I mean, we know Diggs has been incredible just in terms of creating interceptions and, and being a ball hog this season. But does that make that something that's extremely predictive? And then the Titans, you can go down the list with a number of these teams. I mean, you needed one of those three to w- take down a tournament. And that just feels like a weird place to kind of be because there were a number of other teams that were in amazing spots. I mean, the Seahawks, I believe, uh, were the most popular defense that you had there. Um, you know, the Chiefs at 3,300, kind of a, a easier spot maybe to land than a Saints. 3,600, where I also thought they were in a good spot. You know, Neil Orfield had 19.3% of their Denver, I thought was in a great spot if, it, if you could pay up to even go get them, but they ended up not really putting up a lot against uh, Denver there on the other side, or sorry, going up against the Lions on the other side, and plus they were more expensive, so whatever. There's a conversation to be had constantly about that. I would prefer it was out of it. I know a lot of sites probably like to have it there because it increases the variance uh, to a certain extent for, for players that might not be as capable of predicting, and they hit a defense, and oh, I had a great lineup now. And, but but to your point, I think that's where, like, being a good player, you have to, you you have to understand that. You know, you you have to accept that it's mm-hmm. a position that just has tons and tons of volatility. You know, like for me, I, I did play twenty percent Seattle yesterday, so I was actually over the field on the most popular defense, which normally I'm not going to be. But they also, you know, just fit into lineups. I had some contrarian pieces elsewhere. Um, but then, you know, other spots, I, I was overweight on. I was a little bit over on the Browns, but I was like three times the field on Houston, three times on Kansas City. Uh, three times on the Falcons, you know, it, it's a spot where you can, it's probably, it, it's the easiest position to get like a 1% on team or a 1% on play that breaks the slate. Like mm. 1% on wide receivers for the most part, they, they suck. Like if, if you get there, it's because like something really weird happened because if they were good, they wouldn't be 1% on uh, same thing at running back, you know, like even Rashad Penny, that that's kind of the dream situation, right? Where you, you plug in some dart throw yeah. type play and it, and it works out in your favor. He was still 3% owned and not minimum salary. Like he was 4,800. So at these other positions, it's just really difficult to get an actual 1% on play that has any chance of being the top scorer at the position defense. You can do it pretty much all the time. All right. Well, that was the defense discussion for the day. It just was so tilting. I had to throw it out there. Are we going to do hall of fame quick? Do we want to do hall of fame quick, Tyler? Is that cool? Let's do some Hall of Fame. I want to celebrate some people here. We've got seven minutes. Well, we'll go a tiny, tiny bit over. I've got a pretty hard out, but we will uh, we will go a little bit, a tiny bit over here and, and fire that up. We've got a bunch of other shows coming up in the day, but I want to celebrate all you fine folks here at Osmo. The Osmo Hall of Fame is really, really fun for us because we get to see you guys take down tournaments to have big wins. Some people that, you know, are used to having ten or five-figure scores, $10,000 plus 
you know, on the weekly in, in contests. Other people, $500 can be a massive win. It doesn't matter to us. If you finish in the top three of a contest with over 5,000 contestants, you automatically get a free month of Osmo Plus Platinum with the screenshot. All you have to do is download the Osmo, uh, the Osmo avatar, put a tweet to at Osmo HOF, and you get a free month of Osmo Plus Platinum. It's as simple as that. We'll go through all of the screen grabs and grab them for you. We'll hit you up. We'll get that one free month. And we can only award one per calendar year. So, you know, resetting back up here in January, uh, play some NBA DFS, play some NFL playoffs. That'll be really, really fun. But congratulations to everybody who had massive scores. We'll accumulate all of those here from NFL Sunday yesterday. Congratulations to all the winners and keep tweeting those out. Uh, we really love to see those. Let's jump over to some of the exposures we have. I always say let's jump on over to as if I'm actually jumping. I'm not. Here we go. Taysom Hill, top of the board here for uh, Osmo as I'm looking at his exposures. Antonio Gibson, DJ Moore. We didn't talk about DJ Moore. Uh, 14.4. He's kind of a, he was just kind of there, there on the slate yesterday. But I guess Bossman was 4X on DJ Moore there. What'd you kind of see in this spot? It was a low total game. You know, obviously Atlanta on the other side is struggling, struggling, but uh, how did you kind of break down DJ more in this spot? Yeah, I had a decent amount too. I was at like 14%. I thought that this game uh, certainly had some pieces that could do well. Um, more is someone that I'm always willing to get to when he's relatively low owned uh, 6,200 um, is, is certainly a favorable salary. You have questions at quarterback, you know, you had Newton in and out, you had, you know, PJ Walker playing, but um, it's just still a really, really talented player. So I thought that was a spot that made sense. Uh, curious if Alex was just on that game or on more. Seems like he was just on more. Basically on more. Mm-hmm. Uh, he, no, he had he had 17% Cam Newton. Oh, there you go. Okay, so he had 17% Cam. Taysom Hill, 37.3. He flat out said he was going to play a lot of Taysom Hill on my before or on uh, the deeper dive yesterday. So uh, made a lot of sense there. Uh, rest of the way looks pretty, pretty similar to everything we've seen here. Austin Hooper, Jared Cook is two highest owned tight ends there. Had a lot of Tyreek Hill, which if you're going to that mid-tier of running back, Antonio Gibson, Javante Williams, uh, Josh Jacobs, if you were going to that mid-tier a lot, not getting up to Kamara, not getting up to Eckler, it was probably pretty simple that you were going to land on a number of uh, Tyreek Hill lineups. I thought that he would, would be the clear spend-up option. And he was probably the guy that kind of lineup construction just did not work out. Even in a game, Kansas City puts up 40 plus 11.6 for Tyreek Hill. Him and Travis Kelsey, definitely the major bus of the slate here. Uh, everything else looks pretty normal there. DeColts heading over to his Antonio Gibson and Ezekiel Elliott. He did have some overlap. And I would say that this would be the one thing. And, and again, I'm not going to judge DeColts because he's one of the top players, if not, you know, top five, top 10 in the world. Guys have won a Millie Maker twice, I believe, or he at least has one. The guy's incredible. I've gotten a great opportunity to be able to chat some DFS with him at some of these live finals. But Antonio Gibson and Ezekiel Elliott in the same lineup, I think is a little bit of a mistake. Do you? No. You don't at all. So I, I, I think it was just something that I was thinking about where Antonio Gibson, if he goes nuts, he gets 25 carries. That game slows down a ton. Ezekiel Elliott, you know, on the other side of it too. I mean, is it more of just like you're not concerned about it because they both had such secure workloads uh, from the onset? In theory, at least. Uh, in theory, yeah. Yeah, so there are a couple of things. Um, one, Gibson was just wildly underpriced. So okay. that would be one thing if you were like 8K. But also, he's he's involved in the passing game, especially, or so he normally is involved in the passing game, especially with McKissick out. Um, I think it was reasonable to expect, you know, five to seven targets for Gibson as well. Uh, he can, and he's also got plenty of big play upside. Um, you know, whereas like on the Zeke side, I do agree with chat. Like it's, it's unlikely that Zeke just like houses one and you'll get you a quick 20 points. Gibson yeah. very easily can just one play and, and get there. So, um, you know, I think that, uh, yeah, it's not really, I don't worry too much about that sort of negative correlation anyway. Um, because again, it kind of, it goes back to the thing too. Like, yeah, you could get Gibson runs at 25 times and there's less possessions for everybody. But at the same time, if Gibson's running at 25 times, then congratulations on, on Gibson. You just need Zeke to fall into the end zone a couple of times. Um, mm-hmm. You know, if Gibson, let's say Gibson runs at 25 times because Washington is just up by two touchdowns the whole game. Um, so then Dallas, you know, is throwing it and they just, you know, get tackled inside the 10. Like, it's just another one of situations where uh, there's not, th- there's enough ways that they can work out positively together that I think just sort of offsets any chance of me saying like, I don't want these guys in the same lineup. Yeah. And it's not like he had 50% of his lineups that were, that were overlapping at most. It was 20% just the, the gap of the two. So 
wanted to at least point it out because I thought that that was pretty fascinating. We've got Jeff Wilson there as well. That was a play I was very, very high on. That did not work out. So uh, DeColtz uh, was right in the same ballpark with me on Jeff Wilson. I thought that there was a lot of opportunity. I will say, got enough carries, I thought, to be viable there in that spot. It just turned into a George Kittle fest. And that is is what it is. Uh, I would have done that Debo play. Stole one too. Yeah, what was that? I think Debo stole a touchdown. Oh, yeah. to a Debo's a running back. Like, Debo's a flat-out freaking running back. And he's he's. if we think Corderell Patterson should have dual eligibility on sites, I mean, Debo Samuel is a freaking running back at this point in time. T. Higgins loved that play here as well. Brandon Cooks, I thought, made the most uh, the, the easiest run back there. I really like that play as well. Jamar Chase, who went nuts, 25.3. Good to see him back in the fray. Um, I kind of said in jest that it was like he was – He's been in a situation where he's had bombs just fall in his lap, and it's just a question of whether he catches it or not. <laughs> yeah, and I'm not sure. I don't know if he ended up scoring on this drive or not, but he also almost had another touchdown um, on a great catch, but the ball hit the ground. Oh, yeah. Jamar Chase is a is a freak, and I like that. Joe Burrow as well. Everything looks really good from DeColtz. It just did not work out. Welcome to NFL TFS. Uh, Neil Orfield, he didn't go over 32% on any single person. It looks like maybe a cap in play, but... Definitely very, very flat, more players, more centric about lineup building rather than necessarily anything else. The one guy that stuck out to me from him was Jamichael Hasty, where he had 19.3% of a guy in Jamichael Hasty was at 2.7%, maybe expecting, you know, in a game stack, you could throw him alongside Cincinnati, but he didn't really have any Cincinnati pieces. So kind of a contrarian play to, to say, J. Michael Hasty is going to get the work instead of uh, Jeff Wilson. What do you think about the Jim Michael Hasty play? I mean, I think it's insane, but also I think if you've over the, for however long Kyle Shanahan's been the head coach mm-hmm. in San Francisco, I think in situations where the number one running back gets hurt, if you just plug in the second guy, you've probably made millions <laughs> by now. So like, I, I, I get it. Um, I obviously didn't do it and was not remotely close, but yep. um, it, it makes sense. I, I, I'm sure, or I don't want to say I'm sure I haven't talked to him about it, but I would guess the thought process is he felt it was very necessary to have a running back in that range. Right. He realized that there was negative correlation between hasty and the 19% on Jeff Wilson and was just like, okay, uh, Kyle Shanahan does this shit all the time where the main or the, the quote unquote expected main guy is not the guy. Uh, and I just am going to print money if that happens and I'm fine losing if it doesn't. All right, and at the top for Rinpack, we have Taysom Hill there at 100%. Josh Jacobs, 26%. Antonio Gibson, 20.7. Definitely falls off a cliff after Taysom Hill. Very, very flat exposure there towards the middle ranges. But anything that sticks out to you from Rinpack as we close this out? Um, I mean, 100% Taysom Hill sticks out. But yeah, that, uh, the, the Antonio Gibson fade, I think that's interesting. You know, obviously it worked out really, really well. Mm-hmm. I didn't agree. I mean, very clearly didn't agree with it, but like that, that's fine. Uh, he was, you know, Probably he was one of the highest owned guys on the slate. So uh, just from that standpoint, I think it makes some sense. Uh, he was on Zeke. Amazing. You yeah. mentioned his tight ends looked really, really good. Um, yeah, no, I think it kind of, it, it seems like he basically decided he was going to take his huge stand on Taysom Hill and then just spread out exposure elsewhere. I'm guessing he played a lot of naked Taysom Hill because mm-hmm. Alvin Kamara is his highest owned uh, saint at 14% outside of, of Hill. Yep. Amazing. Well, that is our lineup review here for today. Nice and clean hour here. Uh, really enjoyed it per usual. This has turned into one of my favorite shows. I guess we got to close this out. Uh, there's really no way of like pulling up the worst lineup from a guy who had two lineups and he won a million dollars. So we can't do that. So per usual, we're going to go to the bottom end of one of these guys. Let's go to the bottom of Rinpax. Uh, can we go to the bottom of Rinpax uh, player pool? And just go to the bottom, his very last lineup. I need you to pull that up for me. Tyler Zander, thank you so much for producing this show, for doing a great job here behind the scenes. Uh, always per usual. Again, stepping in, uh, being able to, to use Fantasy Cruncher here in a phenomenal way. So I appreciate you. Uh, let me see this. Uh, last lineup here, Taysom Hill. Antonio Gibson with McLaurin. Uh, Godwin, uh, how do you say his name again? Iguibuque. That was beautiful. Okay, maybe that was right. Michael Gallup, uh, Travis Kelsey, Jared Cook, Lions D. Lions D, not ideal, but they were the cheapest defense. So, you know, it is what it is. Those are the kind of lineups that you can build for things. And uh, I, I had no idea what to do with any Detroit running back. It seemed like there were reports, ended up being Craig, and it didn't matter. So, didn't even necessarily have to look at that. Uh, Adam, any final words for the people as we get out of here today? 
Uh, I'll have the video, the NBA injury report video with Greg coming out around, we're recording at 1.30, so I think it comes out around like 2.30. Uh, and then I'll be back for the deeper dive later with somebody, maybe you, I don't know. Um, <laughs> somebody Gee, thank else, you so much. Somebody else will be on the deeper <laughs> dive with me at uh, 5 Eastern. I will tell you who it is. It is Josh. That's, or no, it'll be Laffy. You and Laffy, yeah, cool. the, the dynamic duo back together. Awesome betting show. That's going to be Aton and Ben starting up at 1 p.m. Eastern time, 3 p.m. Eastern time. We've got a show McCarthy and Savoka together talking some NFL for tonight, 4.30 p.m. Eastern time. We've got the deeper dive pre-show with Aton and Lamarca. You at 5 p.m. alongside Laffy, your buddy, 6 o'clock. I'll, uh, no, it'll be Josh and Greg. So I'll be on NFL Showdown Live before lock, 7.15 p.m. Eastern time. That is me, Neil, Neil Orfield, and Matt Savoka. Going to be a great time. Looking forward to that game. Arizona, LA, going to be really, really fun. Uh, Adam Scher, thank you so much, per usual. Um, let's get on out of here. I'm Eric Lindquist. Thank you so much to No House Advantage for their sponsorship. We will see you again, same place, same time next week.